You're listening to Beyond the Ordinary, a show about the companies, founders, and ideas that are shaping the future of health, science, and financial technology. Here's your host, Tommy Martin. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Beyond the Ordinary. We're so glad you're here today. And we have an extra special guest. We have one of my business partners, Judd Mackerel. He's here with us today. He is a general partner at Mammoth. He is also a founder at Mile Marker. And we'll talk about both of those companies today. They're both doing just absolutely incredible things in the financial industry. And he has invested his career into people and technology. He's the former chief marketing officer at Orion. And a lot of our listeners may not know what Orion is, but it's truly one of the largest wealth tech platforms out there with over $2 trillion in assets on their platform. That was trillion with a T. And it's been fun for me as we've taken Mammoth out to the world, out to the financial industry. Everybody knows Judd. And it's so fun. Everybody knows him as just truly one of the most helpful and most genuine and nicest guys they've ever met. And so it's been an absolute honor to be a business partner with Judd, but also to get to go do life together. So Judd, thanks for being here today. Yeah, glad to be here, Tommy. Well, Judd, our listeners love hearing people's stories. And, you know, you didn't grow up initially thinking, I'm going to go out and be this like, wealth tech, marketing, and technology, bringing the future of the fintech world out there. That wasn't what you grew up thinking you were going to go do. How did this come about for you? Man, I think it was just a lot of favor. I was given a lot of the right people at the right time for my life. When I was in my teenage years, I lived in a small town, which I was not a fan of. I still have a little bit of a you know, anxiety in small town environments, if I'm being honest. But I grew up there and my father's from DC. My mom is from central Nebraska and wound up growing up in the Midwest and really didn't feel like I belonged there. Kind of a general sense of that. Got into music, really loved creating things. I loved making a lot of noise and having fun in bands. Wasn't particularly good at the bands, but you know, my dream and ambition was more on the commercial side of music, which is odd. And my dreams were moving to Nashville or moving to LA or something like that. When I was getting older and getting to be able to have more freedom, eventually just wound up following a friend to an undergrad in Nebraska where I had family. So it felt safer and more comfortable, loaded up my car and just drove. And 10 hours later, I was there and kind of started a new life. And got involved in the music scene there and found myself working in promotions, just making things happen around, you know, different national acts and things like that. Built a lot of friends in that world. And as my college career progressed, I was in student leadership and did all that kind of stuff. I just love promoting bands and like making events happen and <laughs> creating, you know, the promotional materials and the marketing swag and all that kind of stuff. I just, I found a lot of joy and a deep desire in like, making things possible, making things possible in a way that, you know, we should expect them to be, to be done with quality, with professionalism, to not be, you know, halfway or half-hearted in those efforts. We wanted to do things all the way. And so as I was leaving undergrad, I was getting married in a few weeks and I needed a job. And a guy in my uh, small group with our church connected me with Orion Advisor Services and joined there. I said, hey, I have one stipulation. I'm getting married. I need to take a honeymoon. 
he said, that's cool. Start working, do your honeymoon, come back, keep working. And it was just a really comfortable, flexible place. Randy Lambert, who's now a, a president and EVP there, I consider him a friend. He hired me there and brought me in and I learned this industry. And I think there's a lot of things that can be said about perception and reality and managing those things. And when you start working in financial accounting and really almost kind of the electronic plumbing, or for the lack of a better term, around this space and how money moves and how money gets managed and reported and all this kind of stuff. I realized there was, you know, it wasn't quite at all what I thought about doing or dreamed about doing. But the fact is I was really good at connecting people and things and experiences And Orion gave me room to start figuring out how does that happen in a much more, you know, kind of from the onset, you know, outward looking in a pretty boring industry, portfolio accounting software. It's a necessary thing that people need to be able to say, hey, my money's being managed properly and I have clarity about my financial plan. My spouse and I have, you know, peace when we think about our future, our grandkids, our travel, all the things that we've actually dreamed about growing up. And, you know, making that possible is something I was finding myself in the midst of. And listeners, part of what Judd is talking about here, at the time he was starting with Orion, one of the big challenges they were helping people solve is that if you think of the typical family that's starting to accumulate some level of investments or wealth, It's often spread out across multiple accounts. Maybe they have one account at their bank. They have another account with a company like TD Ameritrade, and then they have a 401k somewhere else. And there was no place in the world that was pulling all of these accounts together so that somebody could manage them cohesively as kind of one accounting platform to do all of it, whether you had money at TD Ameritrade or Fidelity or Wells Fargo Bank. And Orion came in and said, boy, we need to make this simple. We need to let people see a truly holistic view of their entire portfolio, their entire investments. And they've gone way beyond that today into much broader things like financial planning and portfolio rebalancing and trading. I mean, it's just a mega platform today that accomplishes so many great things. But that's the experience side that you're hearing Judd talk about, that even though it's kind of boring, it was like so essential for consumers to start to get a real handle on their actual investments and wealth. And we know those can be such huge tools for families. So I get it. Yeah. And I think the thing that's really interesting about that environment that I got set into, one of the things that was a common denominator for me growing up is to really kind of question the status quo. And that company really helped me do that in a professional context. We were constantly you know, questioning the status quo. In fact, we were founded because our RAA at the time was called CLS Investments. It's a third-party asset manager. I think we had maybe like four to six billion that we managed at the time. This is in the 2004. Well, I joined in 2004. It really occurred around 2001. But we were really looking at all the software we needed and realizing we didn't fit in any of these boxes. Where we saw the world going, that didn't really exist. And when we asked for proposals from some of the leading providers, we were met with, well, that's a hundred grand just to get a proposal. And this is like, you know, over 20 years ago. And, you know, for the team there, it's not acceptable. Let's go spend those dollars and actually build something that matters. And today that company is, you know, 
a multi-billion dollar company in terms of value and the massive impact on the industry is felt. But that was able to you know, carry me forward and see that firsthand. How do we question the status quo? How do we give you know, the industry what it needs? How do we think about the life of the advisor, what the advisor actually wants? So I started there and I thought it was going to be a quick period of time there, maybe a year or two. Saved up money. My wife and I moved from Omaha to Dallas, uh, enrolled at Dallas Theological Seminary, and really thought about maybe an like an ideal career is somebody teaching in a liberal arts college, teaching you know historical theology and things like that. Things I really love. I have a lot of joy and I care deeply about that sort of thing. Through the process, kind of got to know my professors and, you know, see their lives, you know, more than, you know, kind of what I aspired toward and then starting to connect that with reality. I realized that I don't really care about this. (laughs) This is not the life I necessarily want. I actually enjoy the measurability and the objective nature of business and the impact that business can have on people's lives and how I can help create, you know, great futures for a lot of people. And we had our son in, in 2000 and. Seven. And right after that, I graduated, like a couple of days after that, I graduated with my master's there. And, and we moved back and I took on a role of, you know, kind of strategic account management for Orion. It was oddly enough for a, a key customer. This is an early echo of the financial crisis that happened. Is this customer actually went out of business the first week I took their account? They were doing a lot of derivatives and that didn't pan out for them. And eventually, I didn't really have anything to do because that company had had sunset immediately. And so Orion put me in a spot where ultimately I took over all their new business, which, you know, I was probably the dumbest person there in the fact that I was willing to do that job. And that job, I wore that job for five and a half years and it wore me. And I was very exhausted doing it. And it was high stress. I was constantly sick. I didn't sleep. I woke up in the middle of the night in cold sweats, worried about, you know, 40-year history conversions, having to calculate time way to return on asset level positions with historical prices and all the nuances of being able to do that really well. Because, you know, I felt a sense of responsibility for the accuracy and quality that my customers had. What I didn't know then, but I know now, is that that really led to building super impactful relationships with a lot of key firms in this industry because I got to deeply care about them in that moment. And listeners, unpacking some of what Judd's saying here, think of it, if you go to your financial advisor or you go open up your account statement and you see your performance, emotion happens as a result of that. We heard about this on the behavioral psychology side from Daniel Crosby, who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago. But imagine you open your account statement and your performance is really, really low or bad, or you've lost a lot of money, that's an immediate emotional trigger. Good things do not happen in that moment. And in these early days of trying to pull in all this data from all these different providers that are bringing it in in different ways, and one does it this way, another does it this way, this is a monumental task, even today, but especially back in the early days when nobody else was doing this yet. And so what you're hearing Judd talk about is like losing sleep because he knows if they don't get this right, then all these investors, all these clients of these financial firms, they're at risk of opening up their portal or opening up their statement 
and seeing their performance be wrong and then making poor decisions as a result of that emotional response that happens when they see that. So even in those early days, Judd was already thinking about this customer experience and wearing that, as you heard, in such a passionate way. That's how we got to know each other much later. But I've seen that carry all the way through your career, Judd. So it sounds like just this overarching passion for people kind of led you from, you know, music experiences to Orion to a stint at seminary and then back to Orion here. Yeah. Yeah. And the nice thing was Orion was so cool to work with. I was a remote worker in 2005. I did my grad school work for Orion the whole time. And, you know, I'm a huge advocate of theirs. They've done a lot for me. And I think they're doing a lot for a lot of people. In fact, when I joined Orion, I was able to just start recruiting a lot of my colleagues, my, my friends to come join that company. And it's it's remarkable to this day how many of my people that I knew either I went to undergrad with or they were friends in my community, they have built their careers also with that company. And that's something I find honestly a lot of joy in as I build companies today is finding the people, understanding their strengths and connecting them with opportunities and then getting to run together. That's so much fun. And that's a lot of the joy I've had in business is through those relationships. It can also be a lot of heartache when things don't go well, but it's a great way to to live in my experience. Just to kind of carry on real quick on what happened with me at Orion. Why I think there's a couple pivots that are really important is that through my time of building and deploying the technology solution for Orion, I started ultimately designing and sketching up and you know, getting into design tools and creating the solutions advisors were looking for. And one thing led to another and just starting to hack away and go back into my creative side created a lot of opportunities for me in that company. And as we had a couple of things happen in the firm, you know, I found myself being asked to run the marketing and it was just like, yeah, absolutely. That would be the best thing I could imagine. I hadn't even imagined it. I was so focused on just taking care of, of all the different things that were going on for bringing on these firms. And once that happened for me, it was all the cylinders in me just got to fire and I got to see the ability to really connect my understanding of the needs of a customer. This being a financial advisor that serves thousands and thousands of customers and is looking for all these different things existentially as well as objectively. You know, by being able to start designing and communicating in that kind of form, it was just a perfect thing for me to help them. And so we grew the company. We experienced awesome success. We had a tragedy that happened in the company where one of the founders had perished. He and his son, a plane crash. It was a horrific thing for a lot of people. And that led us to just some strategic things with the company where we ultimately brought in an equity partner. And at that moment, it was just a perfect moment for our family. We have four kids, my wife, Kim and I, and our youngest son had been born. We were kind of getting into a place of a little bit more normalization. And I've been dreaming for a long time about how do we go independent How do we create a business that allows for the freedom to build and dream and imagine? And I've been taking on a few different like side clients just at the blessing of Orion. I always bring it up to the CEO as my boss and say, hey, so-and-so like me to do this for them. Are you cool with that? He was always cool with it. I wound up creating a company called Mineral. Again, it was like a lot of stuff is inspired by music. There's a band I love called Mineral. And so I created this company called Mineral. My wife loved Mineral Water. Those are still true for us today. But we created this company and wound up serving Orion, did their marketing for a number of years as well uh, as an outsourced team, and then served about 30 to 40 other firms around the US and Canada, one of which 
was Vestia. And that's how Tommy and I got connected with his RAA when they started that. TD Ameritrade connected us, as well as I think the folks at Loring Ward, uh, or now Buckingham. And we got an opportunity just to get to know each other and start to just build a relationship, help you guys through a key part of your start. And we wound up selling that business, Mineral, to a national RAA called Carson in 2018. And the timing was good. Going inside of a company was harder, but we got in, got focused, rebranded the company, really focused on building technology, connecting those things, designing it, and then bringing in the right resources there. It was extraordinary, I think, impact for that company. And uh, we had a lot of fun in that moment. And listeners, just to give you some color of when Judd and I met, some partners and I were launching this new RIA and we really launched saying, we're just going to let the data drive our decisions. And so there are a few decisions that we made. And this is a company called Vestia. I'm so honored to be a founder and a part of the board at Vestia, have a great team there. And they specialize in serving medical professionals with their entire financial needs. And one of the first things Vestia did, they went to their clientele and they said, hey, what services do you want us to provide to you? And I loved the answer, Judd, because we're in this industry that's everybody wrestles with the compensation model and how do I do the right thing for the client? How do I avoid conflicts of interest? These are all really good things. But I love what Vestia did. They went and talked to the client and they said, what services do you want us to provide? And the clients were universally crystal clear. They said, we want you to do everything you can for us. Do everything you can with excellence because we already trust you to oversee our entire financial life. So if you can do it with excellence, please do it. If you could do our taxes with excellence, please do that. We decided that's something we can't do with excellence right now. So we didn't do that. But Vestia did decide to take on a lot of different services that a typical financial firm wouldn't. And as a result, it was a complex web of different entities, different regulatory bodies. And imagine trying to put all that together from a marketing standpoint. It really became six different websites that all had to kind of look and feel and talk as one. And we went out to Mineral and said, hey, can you help us figure this out? And they did. And then one of the worst things that could have happened, happened. Our cash flow didn't come in the timing we thought it was going to. And I remember I had to pick up the phone, Judd, and call you and say, hey, I have a problem. We expected to get paid this quarter. Turns out that's not going to happen. And you didn't even hesitate. You just said, no problem. Just catch us up next quarter. And that was a moment I was like, oh my goodness, we can go the distance with this team. And so Vesti used Mineral to help build out our entire marketing infrastructure and ecosystem. And Vesti is doing extremely well, got out the gate very, very quickly, has continued to grow and really become a presence in the medical world, taking care of medical professionals and all their financial needs. And we never would have got to that point without Minerals help and, you know, Judd and his team's willingness, instead of being jerks about us not being able to pay that first quarter, really trusting what we were building and giving us a chance to come back. So just yeah. wanted to share that. That was, you know, a pivotal moment for us. You probably didn't even realize what a big deal that was, but it was the difference in sink or swim at the time. <laughs> That's funny. I'd honestly forgotten. 
uh, about that. Because it's like, you know, business is life. <laughs> you know, like this is how things work as we grow. And I found a lot of value. And I'll say this too for for Lauren and Brad and Mike and all the team there at Vestia. It's been a pleasure to get to know that team. And my short, you know, time spent with them before, you know, from the time we worked with you guys and launched and, and then when we sold, you know, like it was a remarkable impact on me because I saw a company and a team that had this really key desire. There's a core value that Vesti has. It's called never let them guess. And so it really drives a lot of the ways that business is done there. And it's really like, what would you want to have somebody do for you? if you didn't even know the opportunity ahead of you. And because, you know, Vesti is very focused on specialists and surgeons, like, you know, high-end medical professionals that are very busy, they're highly committed, it's hard enough for them to balance life and work. How do they balance all the things around their day-to-day? And the way you were building the company of Vesti was extraordinary because it really spoke to the care that is necessary to do going beyond what would ever be expected and giving somebody a truly remarkable experience. And the funny thing is, I don't even know I told you this, but after we sold our business and joined Carson, I traveled around. We'd speak almost every week, sometimes multiple times a week. And I used Vestia as my case study every time I talked because I think that that is fundamentally the future of financial advice is going well beyond managed accounts going well beyond the things that people are directly asking you for. Because this isn't a commoditized industry if you really understand what a true fiduciary does. This is a part of your family that cares about you and is looking out for you and is working to architect the life that you actually want. Thinking about your kids, thinking about where they're going to go to school, thinking about your health concerns or family histories there. It's thinking about your business and your business partners and how do you set things up properly, thinking about your contract that you have with your hospital system and saying, hey, I need to help you renegotiate that because I think we can do better here. Maybe if you're happy there, that's fine, but let's see what we can do for you. You know, thinking about that, to me, it's like I see the future of this industry, whether it's, you know, working in alternative investments or working in RAA, I think everybody should be looking at how do we do that? for our customers. And, and if you're a financial advisor listening to this, my encouragement, Lauren Oshman is the, the CEO now at Vestia. She does a great job of breaking this down in the Michael Kitsis' podcast, if you look that up. And like, you should just go steal that idea because it's so good because what's going to happen is your clients are going to feel incredibly loved because you built your business around how do you love them well. And to me, that was like, okay, that's all I need. That's my business school degree right there. How do we go do this in every capacity? And as a company gets so big, it's hard to do that. But when you start a company from scratch, it really creates a a great vision forward. It was so much easier at Vestia, Judd, because we didn't have these walls up saying you can't do it this way. That helped immensely. But I also learned from a mentor of mine that said, even when big companies do it, the ones that pay attention to their customers, they have one key thing that they always do. They're constantly going out and following their customer around and seeing what are they doing? How are they interacting with whatever your services are, whatever your products are? 
And one of the things Vestia constantly thought about is there's this piece in all of our lives that we call the business of life. And it's just all that admin stuff that has to happen. You know, my classic example is there's just mail on the counter and it has to get dealt with. There's some bills in there. There's a car title in there. There's some stuff that just needs shredded because there's personal information on it that shouldn't go in the garbage. I mean, this is such mundane junk, but we all have it. It's the business of life. And I really appreciate that's what Vestia was seeking to solve is how do we figure out the pain points in somebody who's deeply embedded in the medical world in their business of life? How do we figure out those pain points? Well, you got to go spend time with them and you'll see it because the thing that is really hard to learn in business is the biggest pain points where you can add the most value, the customer cannot tell you about them. If they could tell you about them, they'd already be fixed. So you have to go observe. You have to go watch it. You see it. And this is such a good segue. As Judd was out there in this whole financial services world, he started to see two massive problems. And this is really the origination of Mammoth and Mile Marker. And so, Judd, one of those problems you were seeing is advisors weren't able to deliver the client experience that they want to deliver. And this is really how MileMarker was born. So tell us Mm -hmm. more about that. Yeah, I would honestly say both companies are really kind of inspired from this idea in different ways. We did a bunch of work through my time running Mineral, my business partner, Kim, who's also my spouse. We really try to run our lives as equally and as we possibly can. And you know, for anything I can take credit for, it's probably ultimately a result of her leadership or support or, you know, really getting it done. Like she's my cheat code, (laughs) like in terms of life, she makes things really, really have the success they've had. So I want to make sure I'm clear about that. But as we were building a lot of the things that our customers asked us to at Mineral, we built a lot of advisor experiences, technology front ends and things like that. We really found that there was a missing link because you have core systems you use, your CRM, your client relationship management software, that'd be a Salesforce or HubSpot or an industry-specific thing like uh, Redtail or Wealthbox here in the advisory world. And you'd have that and you'd have your portfolio accounting engine. That'd be an Orion, it'd be an Investnet, it'd be a SSNC, Black Diamond. You know, there's all kinds of different players there. But trying to connect those things to the experience you ultimately want, because you love your clients, you care about them, you need to uniquely serve them. You're not finding a box. It's the same story we started when we had Orion. We didn't find the box that existed that was exactly what we wanted. We really wanted our box to be this way. And so we were finding a lot of limitations in the industry because there was no one really tailoring to how do we simply connect what you want. And so that was a big inspiration for MileMarker because connectivity needs to continue to evolve. And it had really set static in a very meaningful industry that helps better serve millions of families around the country and you know all around the world. And at the same time, Tommy, you were bringing me just like insight on what was happening inside of your firm and kind of where your mind was at with where you see the future. And that's around the ability to access private investments, alternative investments in a way that's not just limited to the ultra high net worth in a way that provides proper safe harbors for clients and in a way that is integrated into 
the fiduciary model to be able to have this alongside an advisor, not some sort of you know deal that your client does direct with a place and the advisor doesn't necessarily have any insight into. You know, the idea was how do you integrate all of that? So we really kind of started both companies around the same time with the intent of connecting the future of financial advice. So when I tell people in the industry, what do I do? Well, I connect the future of financial advice, at least the best I can. <laughs> and that is building the most client-centric, advisor-centric alternative investing platform with Mammoth, and then providing the plumbing to make that possible for Mammoth and for all kinds of advisor platforms that are building their own unique box. That's what MileMarker does. What we did you know, together as we were figuring all this out, we looked at the opportunity to create a really great world-class advisor-first venture fund. Uh, and I'd worked with fund accounting. We had a sister company called Gemini fund services when I was at Orion. And so I got to know a little bit of you know fund manufacturing from that angle, mostly 40 act funds, ETFs, you know, pooled investments in general. And you know, we looked at this, you know, found the right legal team, the right partner. Aaron Heck is our attorney, by far the brightest, most diligent attorney I've ever worked with in my career. She's way more like an engineer than an attorney. She's like yeah you know, designing product around these regulations. It's pretty magical to watch. It truly is. And, you know, we'd gone through a number of different outside teams to help us. And when we found Erin, she transformed our ability to make things happen. So with her help, I think she joined us and we were able to launch our venture fund within like 45 days or something like that, really because she (laughs) willed it into existence. And so we launched a really extraordinary venture fund that helps investors participate in the future of health science. And we have really excellent team of doctors and medical entrepreneurs, in fact, that are really helping us curate that fund. And from where I sit, the cool thing I get to do is I get to make that as accessible and easy to enroll in as possible. And we now are going down and looking at, okay, you have a really excellent venture fund. I'm sure it's not going to be the only thing you're investing in. You have other things you need. We ask our advisor community, what else do you need? And they're guiding our roadmap there. And so every day I get to work with the leading financial advisory firms in the country, as well as the teams that are building the future of investments, uh, investment structures and things like that, that are really important to helping this evolution that's happening where the private markets are outperforming in many ways, the public markets, there's less incentive for companies to actually go public. In fact, the number of public companies today is at a historic low. And, you know, that means that there's so much more upside in all of these new types of vehicles, but how do you do it in a way that's not increasing risk? How do you do that in a way that continues to make transparency happen, which has been a big part of my career is making transparency happen, making sure it's in an accounting system and it can be trackable and it's all compliant and it's going to help an advisor have scale at the same time. It's a balancing act. And so that's where we are today. Mammoth's cruising. It's so fun to build technology, to build a team, to make things happen and and to connect that future of financial advice, which has kind of become my mantra in my day to day. Well, Judd, I've always appreciated your passion for the customer experience. And, you know, one of the things we talked about really early on is that right now, firms, whether it's their private investments, their normal investments, their planning work, all the extra services they might provide to clients, they're really limited on the experience they can provide to the client by their tech stack. 
And they don't have a way to ultimately override and say, no, no, we've gone. We've observed our customers. We know what they need better than they do. And we've also asked them what they need. And here's the experience we want to deliver. There hasn't really been a great way to do that. And so listeners, I'll give you an example. What do I mean by this? For most investors today, if you open up your investment report, the first thing you're going to see is your performance. Again, go back to our time with Daniel Crosby a couple of weeks ago. What we know is that doesn't lead to great decisions because if the market's up substantially, great, you're happy. And if the market's down, then you're frustrated or nervous. And when we went out and observed clients and we talked to clients and we said, how can we build something that would actually be helpful? Here was the clear answer. The first thing that people should see when they open up their investments is not if it's up or down, because we know the market moves up and down. That's just how it works. What they should see is, am I still on track for what I'm trying to accomplish? And even if the market's down, if I know I'm still on track for what I'm trying to accomplish, it's not a big deal. I can just close it and say, okay, moving on with my day. The only time I should start to get concerned or worried or nervous or upset is if I open that up and I see, wow, the market's down so much more than expected that I am no longer on track to be able to take care of my family or my goals the way that I want to. So we know that we know that that is a way better experience for clients. Yet in most of the investment world today, That is not what you see when you open up. I mean, any of our listeners, go open up your 401k or go open up your investment report, whatever it may be. If the first thing you see is not, are you still on track for what you're trying to accomplish, then there's a problem. The experience is not the way that it should be. And that's just one example. There are lots of those, but that's what I saw Judd so passionate about in the financial world. Why? Why isn't that the first thing that the customer sees because the tech stack that exists today doesn't allow the advisor to go show the customer what matters most. And so instead of just complaining about it, Judd and his team said, we're going to go fix this. And on a prior episode, we had Kyle Van Pelt on the show. He's the CEO at MileMarker. I would encourage you go listen to that show and hear about how MileMarker is actually doing this in the industry to allow anybody to say, this is the experience we need for our customer and then to actually go deliver it. And then on the private investment side, Judd, what I heard you talk about was this idea of how do we make this a five-star experience? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the theme too, is you know, whether you know it's launching Vestia and your experience there, or my time, you know, working to create you know better marketing and you know professional messaging. You know, we've always been chasing collectively just kind of the DNA of our team here is how do we make things excellent? Uh, we realize you never start at excellent. <laughs> excellent is a destination, but once you get there, there's always more excellent, right? You get that five-star experience, like, well, we make it six-star. What do we go on? And Brian Chesky shared this with our team. Like Brian Chesky, one of the founders of Airbnb, did this exercise with his team because Airbnb is, to some extent, and this has happened kind of thematically across hospitality, is that they've revolutionized how you know vacation rentals happen, making that way more normalized. And as part of their planning, he asked his team, hey, what is the six-star experience? We know five-star experience, Ritz-Carlton, you know, something like that, where everything is just, you know, they anticipate all your needs and they exceed your expectations. 
But what would that look like to exceed the exceeded expectations? And we realized that we have to be paying attention to that because technology and you know, ingenuity is going to continue to change the grading system. And if we're not paying attention to that, you know, we're going to be providing a substandard experience before you know it. So none of this is static anymore. You know, financial advisors can't sit on their hands and just, you know, count their fees. They have to be continually innovating. And if you're providing private investing, you have a long way to start innovating because it's generally a two-star at best experience. Sometimes people are kind and say three stars, but that's not honestly the reality. It's, it's very difficult for people to do this at scale and to find joy in it. They're managing these things because they're important to the clients, but it's not something that is life-giving. And so we want to make that, change that experience for financial advisors and ultimately for the investors to have a very seamless single experience with their advisor who can articulate why they're doing these investments within the language of planning that they use so that they can trigger and guide based on the behavioral experience that is aligned with the personality and the goals of the investor. So to do that, it takes a lot of connection. It takes a lot of work, a lot of experience design. And it's honestly joy for me to make that happen. And so here we are today. Well, it's fun to see what you build. I mean, it's really fun to be a part of that. And Judd, this is a great segue to my favorite part of the show where I get to ask you two questions. The first question is the question everybody wants to know. And really, it's the question I want to know. And in your case, I actually have two of those. So one that is not so you know meaningful and the other that actually is. So you talked about supporting some national bands when you were first going into marketing. What were some of those bands that you were working for? Man, we did all kinds of promotion with bands like Jimmy Eat World uh, was one of them. I don't know if you're familiar with Jimmy Eat World. They got really popular in like 2001, 2002. And that was one of them. A lot of them are more like obscure. There's this band called Noise Ratchet out of San Diego. And I love Noise Ratchet. And like we did, you know, Midwest tours and stuff with those guys. And everybody's grown up and got a real job. But yeah, it was like all kind of like punk and indie music and things like that, that I was a big part of. And then there's local scene stuff where you just have these friends that like everybody, everybody sees each other like three nights a week because we're all like the same clubs and things like that. And it was just a community. We had a place in Omaha called the Cog Factory, which was the most disgusting venue ever. Like you shouldn't sit down. It was that gross, but we all were there and we loved the Cog and we would have shows there like three, four nights a week. And it was like a weird home (laughs) to a lot of us as we were in our early 20s, late teens. And you recently hit a bucket list item in New York. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, I hadn't seen Rage Against the Machine. And they were one of my favorite bands since I was a kid. And my friend Jamie Hopkins and I got to go see Rage at the Garden, which was really fun. Throw on the jewels. I had a great time with that. And Sadly, I just found out it was so good. I was going to go to the tour in 2023 and just find a city, hang out in that city for a weekend, go to a show. But they just canceled that whole tour. So it may be the last time I get to see them. I don't know. But yeah, that was definitely a bucket list for me. I'm glad you hit it. And going to my more meaningful question, one of the things you talked about was 
working with and hiring friends and also family. You know, I love how you said your spouse, your wife, Kim, is your cheat code in life. That's absolutely fantastic. But you and I have both kind of taken this approach of we like working with friends. We like bringing in people that we know and we care about, but there's some risks that go along with that that you talked about. So what has made you decide the risk is worth the reward? You know, I think for me, it's I wouldn't want to live my life differently. You know, these are people that I deeply care about and I want their good, whether or not I'm part of it. And that needs to always be the constant theme. If they say, Judd, I hate when you do this. <laughs> this makes me angry. Like, please tell me that. I would love that for my employees and team members that didn't know me prior to, just to be fair. It's important that we have level, you know, playing fields and equal opportunities inside of our companies. But, you know, at the same time, it's really important when you kind of know people at that deeper level to understand, I see this in you and I can build a company around your strengths. And that's a pretty extraordinary opportunity for people. And I've had that opportunity given to me. That was, I think, the story for Orion. The expectations were drawn around my strengths. That was a blessing that changed my life. And if I can have that sort of effect on other people, I definitely want to. I want that to be my legacy. It's like, hey, Judd gave me an opportunity and believed in me. And he guided me through it. And he you know, helped me, but didn't help me in a way that handicapped my ability to do what I needed to do. And so... That's kind of how I see it. And I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot more around that as I go forward. But it's been a real joy for me to have those people. And if they're listening, you guys know who you are and I love you. And it's important that you have those people in your life that invest in you. Well, Judd, thanks for sharing. That's incredible. And going to our last question, I'm sure we have some listeners out there and maybe they're an advisor that's heard this thing about delivering the experience they want to deliver and they want to reach out and get in touch with Mile Marker, or perhaps it's somebody listening that says, I'm tired of a one or two star experience on the private investment end of things, or I want access to healthcare venture capital, and they want to reach out to Mammoth. What's the best way for somebody to do that? Man, we'll probably throw my contact info in the show notes. But for Mammoth, anything related to private investing, alternative investing, and making that experience be easier, it's Judd, J-U-D at mammoth.is. And MileMarker, it's simple. It's Judd at MileMarker.co. I'll connect you with Kyle Van Pelt, who's excellent. He's doing an amazing job of leading that company and that team. But I'm happy to talk anytime and obviously connect you to the people that are right for you. And listeners, those websites will work as well. They both have contact us buttons. So milemarker.co, that's C-O, not com, or mammoth.is for institutional services. You can go to either of those websites and hit the contact us button. It's a little hard to put emails in show notes. So we'll at least have those website links. But if you had the moment to write it down, feel free to email Judd as well. So... Judd, thank you so much for being here. This has been absolutely outstanding. Listeners, thank you for being here. We can't do the show without you. You guys continue to make this way better than we ever imagined. So thank you for all you do. And we look forward to seeing you right back here next week on Beyond the Ordinary. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Ordinary. This podcast is brought to you by Mammoth and produced by Reverb. If you like this show, consider sharing it with a friend. You can subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts. 
Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about Mammoth and Beyond the Ordinary, visit us at mammoth.vc. Mammoth.